Hello and welcome to Jamie's Wee Podcast. On part one of this two-part, three-hour marathon episode, I think I managed to discuss the entire life story of my friend, photographer, and all-around good guy, Mr. Jordan Hammond. Mr. Jordan Hammond, welcome to Jamie's Wee Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jamie. It's good yeah, to it's, be an ab- here, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here, man. It's, it's been a long time coming. You're a hard man to track down. Yeah, man. I don't reply to you for weeks most of the time. So you're like, Usually. Yeah. <laughs> surprised I'm here. Aye, aye. <laughs> good to be here, though, man. I've wanted to come on this for a little while now. Yeah, no, I must admit, when I first started this, you were, uh, you were one of the first guys to put your hand up and say you'd be very keen to come on, so... I really appreciate it, man. It means a lot to me. You've obviously got a very engaged audience, a very large audience, so um, that means a lot to me. Is that why you contacted me? Yeah, I don't even like you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we get started, I just want want to give everyone uh, a quick bio of you, uh, just in case on the off chance someone watching or listening hasn't had access to social media or the internet for the last few years. Um, You... Quite, quite clearly with that accent, you are born in Dover in England, so that makes you the first Englishman on the Wee Podcast, which is, of course, hosted right. by myself, a Scotsman. So we're really uniting an ununited kingdom right now, if nothing else. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. So it's I good to... I agree with you there, man. You know? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, look, I'm going to stop interjecting. Do you carry on with the bio? Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep... You can slate me over the next two minutes. <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's coming. Um, now, can I actually say it's quite a fro- it's really refreshing today uh, a podcast with someone from the UK because it makes me feel at home and it makes me feel like I, I can talk a little bit more normal than I usually do. So unfor- yeah. I really hope we don't go off on a tangent where we start speaking in a wee bit quicker where people can't understand us. So we need to just keep our, keep our check on our accents. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep. I mean, mostly yours. Yeah, mostly mine. Most of mine. I just I get very comfortable in your your uh, company so usually I, I start getting a wee bit more Scottish so I'll just need to try and do Same. my best so everyone can understand me and understand you as well yeah I've, I've noticed that when we hang out with friends they often they often just say what, <laughs> what yeah as soon as as soon as we get into a conversation no one else no one else understands what is going on no slow down slow down <laughs> okay, I'll keep it slow keep yeah it yeah, slow. yeah sounds good man now, if you actually Google your name, one of the first pages you come across is famousbirthdays.com, which is a picture of you looking a lot younger and a few bintangs slimmer, yeah. I must say. So so much so I had to double yeah. take when I saw your picture on there, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 thanks. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that I actually look quite ill in that photo compared to recent times, given no. that probably means I look rather full now. Um, I think yeah, you look healthier. I don't even know, like, I, I remember seeing that for the first time and I'm not quite sure how I found it. It was probably quite egotistical. I think I typed my own name into Google. <laughs> we all do it. We all do it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure I typed it in. And this was probably before I contributed to many, like, websites for, you know, like, written articles and stuff like that. I just punched yeah. a saucepan one minute. Um, yeah, I think it was before I'd written any articles for, for websites and stuff. and. For some reason, that, that, that popped up, and I was quite embarrassed about that. 
That's quite funny, man, but it's actually insightful because it tells me that you're actually only 26 years old, which is fascinating because you've achieved so much for a man so young. Hmm. Perhaps, yeah, it's quite subjective, but I'm yeah. happy with where I'm at, for sure. And there's, yeah. I mean, it, there's, it, there's a lot of other stuff about me, too, and I could read some of this right now as it's up on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> before fame, this, doesn't, this, is, this is how good this website is, before fame, he first began posting pictures to his Instagram in March of 2016. So I was quite clearly nothing before then. <laughs> that was before the fame. Nothing, nothing notable in my life worth bringing up. They just wanted to talk about when it actually began. Yeah, yeah. And anything else on Family that? Life. He was born and raised in Dover, England. Accurate, accurate. Um, I mean, the rest is just, is just trivia. Isn't trivia supposed to be something quite interesting and unique to that person? I mean, it should be, but I mean, I think we've covered all the interesting parts of you already, we know. Yeah, I think we're almost done. Uh, trivia, he runs an FFA competition for digital editing. Digital editing. No, that's I different. mean, what? That's fucking weird. Uh, which features unique photos in a Dropbox for people to enhance and update with their own personal unique styles. Now that's some, that's some real trivia, right? That's, pro- some pro- that's some proper trivia there. Yeah, it's absolutely junk. But it's, it's nice to know that I'm the 18th most popular Gemini photographer. Well, that's quite the claim to fame. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's number yeah. 17? Who are you hot in the heels of? Yeah, we'll find out, man. I'll check that in just a minute. I'll see if it loads. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly don't know these people. Uh, oh, you know Geordie Coalitic? I don't know. I haven't not his name. Right. Geordie Coalitic, he, um, he's the guy that does all the... Oh, God, you know, he, he does the photos that are like wide with a wide-angle lens, like really close to the subject and, and has right. kind of like effects. Like he'll put a sparkler in front of like a motorbike. Uh, or something yeah. Like. yeah, I think I've yeah, seen crazy. Yeah. He's number eight. Oh, you're not far off him. Um, there's some work to do. Yeah, there's a guy named Ouija. Right. He passed away in 1968 and he's still more popular than me. <laughs> You've got to beat him at some point, surely. Honestly, I really don't know any of these people and they probably don't even know who I am. It's quite quite prestigious, man. At least you're on there. That's the main thing. You've got your foot in the door. Now now you've, uh, you know, the benchmark is some guy who died in 1968. So you've got something to aim for. You know, it's it's a very important... Something to aim for, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good... I doubt I'll ever reach the heights of... I I don't think so, but... Gemini photographers, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, aim for the moon. Give a shit about that. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> now, you yeah, are to many you guys. Are. Sorry, man. I was just going to say you are to many, of course, a well-known travel photographer, specifically again within the travel niche, which sees you struggling with just six hundred forty thousand followers on Instagram and growing at the rate of knots, Stop which it. is quite impressive. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, how can I get? Yeah. I mean, the, the follower thing's great. I love my followers, man. They're awesome. Yeah. That's why I spend hours a day replying to every single message that comes through. Yeah, yeah, I, I can vouch for that. Yeah. I mean, good at- it, it's pretty, it's it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, I think we were talking about this recently, right? We were saying, and, and this isn't just about the followers thing, but like, just to think, um, 
maybe the position we're in, right? you know, where we decided for some unknown reason to, to chase this kind of lifestyle at a certain time, like a number of years ago. And then all of, all of a sudden you're just driving a bike down a palm tree line road on the way to play football. And yep. you're just thinking, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so that is the real lifestyle. How did I end up here? I used to be, I, I used to be clearing up. Uh, I used to, you know, clear up dead birds from the supermarket car park when I was 17. So you've came a long way. <laughs> quite a transition. Yeah. I mean, it's quite <laughs> actually scary to think that that was nine years ago. Well, you've came a long way in nine years, man. Um, very inspirational, I must say. Oh, no, so are you, man. So are you. But <laughs> yeah, the, the whole followers thing is also very surreal to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I think it's something we, I say, we maybe loads of us doing social media that have a following and stuff. It's actually, it's pretty surreal. And I think it's something we probably overlook sometimes, you know, yeah. I yeah. see that. I see that number hundreds of times a day, you know, the amount I'm on my phone, like checking, checking over stuff, replying to messages, going through my feed and crap like that. The amount of times you skim over, you just become very desensitized to that number. So it's nice at times to just sit back and, and appreciate it for what it really is. Well, I can definitely vouch you're a humble man when it comes to the numbers and you're no one that chases the numbers. You're very much about the art, but it's quite impressive, man. It's worth mentioning, obviously, within your bio that you've got one or two followers on Instagram. So I just wanted to let people know who, if, in case anyone didn't know who you were or didn't follow you already, you've got one or two uh, followers on there. Now, your travel photography has also seen you up with brands such as Canon and Adobe, tourism boards around the world, plus featuring hundreds of articles and outlets such as like the London Economic and Insider. Your journey has seen you Sounds go from a... Good. You like that? That's a good one. You like that? Sounds good, man. <laughs> I'm still going. I've still got lots to say. Um, your journey has seen you go from a self-taught photographer from the cliffs of Dover to a world-renowned traveling photographer and photography teacher in the space of just a few years. You literally are the end goal for pretty much every aspiring photographer to be. Yeah, that's that's very sweet. I shouldn't be. I don't think I should be the end goal. I think there's <laughs> there's much more to aspire to than that. But it's it's definitely somewhere I didn't ever imagine I would be. I think when when the process all began. But yeah, it's, I mean, I started shooting in 2015, so it's kind of coming up on five years now. I I preferred it. I preferred the narrative when it was oh yeah, three years ago. Yeah, that sounded cool to me, years. but now, now it's approaching five, and I mean the next milestone is ten, which is horrific. I mean, but yeah, man, that's, I mean, it seems like a lifetime. You know, I, I mean, when I first got a camera, I was just living at um, Soph, and for those of you who don't know, Soph's my girlfriend slash boss. It's like you know, she runs the ship. She runs the entire ship around here, um, and I, I was just taking photos in. <laughs> this sounds ridiculous. I wasn't actually taking photos anywhere. I got the camera, like a camera, a Canon 700D, and I just liked the idea of having one. It wasn't really the the notion of going outside and chasing a sunset or a sunrise because I'd seen Instagram photos. I actually just took a really sh shitty camera that Sophie used to own to, to Rome when we went on holiday for uh, her birthday. And I was just playing around with it the entire time. I thought, oh, this is really fun. I bought a camera when I got back. I bought all these, man, these totally mundane monotonous photography for dummy guides i mean they were just the driest things on planet earth so never read them 
uh, I did actually read like a couple pages and I couldn't even figure out manual focus. I said, fuck this. I'm not reading this stuff. Um, <laughs> and most of the time, I, like I said, I wouldn't even go out and shoot. I would actually just have the camera in the house and I'd just be looking through the viewfinder and like, <laughs> like extending the lens on certain things in the room just because I thought the change of perspective looked cool. So you bought so it. I mean, that, that was the first four months of my photography career was just zooming in on different lamps and plates yeah. and cups in the house. So it was almost like it you bought it as like a, an ornament, like a household ornament that you could pick up and just play about with something, like a Rubik's Cube. It's almost like a Rubik's Pretty Cube. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Although I like to keep it in the box right. um, just because I felt like it still kept it new and fresh. Um, so I didn't take it out all that often. No, it was only, it was only really when I, when I got to China that it actually kicked off. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, okay, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a wee yeah. bit. Yeah, we'll get to that in a wee bit. Now, before we get started into um, before the photography, I just want to say that my youngest sister, Brianna, said to me this week, she said, Jamie, with every episode of your podcast, you have to think about the value you want to give and the why, which is very wise words. I think she's only 20 years old or whatever. Um, but very oh, yeah. wise words. So I say, with this episode, I guess um, the value and the why would be to imagine being every single one of those aspiring photographers out there who may be listening or watching and to ask the questions that they would love to ask you if they were in my position right now. So I guess that is the why of this episode. Nice. Yeah, good, man. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of why I teach is to try and help people through the process. I've been through it. You, you can't, you've been through it too. And so have loads of other people. And um, I mean, God, if I had, the opportunity to to ask someone who was in the position I kind of dreamed of being in, you know, those, those questions that would be so so valuable, man. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's and, that's and I mean, the we've, we've conversations we have, man. You know, like things things you've you've kind of when we've had conversations about blocking or or website ranking and whatever stuff like that, it, can't, it just blows my mind. I'm like, what the hell's going on, man? I, I didn't know any of this stuff, and I think maybe vice versa. When I, I remember I, we've sat down and done some editing before and stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's invaluable to sit down with people who have the knowledge. Absolutely agree, man. And, Absolutely agree. Yeah, and I appreciate you doing this man, for, the, for the people. It's a really good thing to do. Yeah, man, it's just, it's just all about giving value um, through, and it's, I think it's very important to hear a very informal conversation because I think you get a lot of little golden nuggets that you might not get from a very formal situation. So I just want to try and imagine what it would be like to be an excited new young photographer or old, you know, uh, who's picking up a camera or they're maybe frustrated with a photography and maybe they just want to try and get some value from you. So I'm, I'm putting myself in their shoes at this point in time. So let's see what we can get yeah. out of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See what you can squeeze out of me, mate. Uh-huh. We'll see. <laughs> so let's get started. And I want to get started. Yeah. Um, let's, we'll wind it right back to before the photography. Um, no, you're a, you're clearly a very vocal and confident character via your social media channels, which sees you vlog on a daily basis, plus all the tutorials and online courses which you've created. We'll come to those later. Is it fair to say that you've always been an outgoing and extroverted guy? Not at all, no. And I still think to an extent I'm not. Um, I, can, I can move on to that in a bit though, but yeah, not at all, man, not at all. Um, all the way through from, yeah, as far as I can remember, up until the point of uh, how old must I have been? I mean, even when I was playing school football, you know, like 16, 17, 18, I was still pretty shy. Like I 
you, you know, you have all these like really boisterous characters in, in the football team as as you naturally do. And I just didn't really fit that mould at all. And it actually made me feel <laughs> uncomfortable. I would far rather be sat in my house by myself playing Xbox. And that's probably still partially true today, as you well know. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think I kind of went through that personality kind of transition at university. Um, okay. That, that's where it changed for me. I mean, everyone's got their opinion on university. For me, it was it was a bit of a joke. You know, it, it, I, I didn't even intend on going to university, but I ended up going anyway because I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Um, and I mean, I kind of just pissed away three years and played football for uni and partied a lot and stuff like that. <laughs> that yeah, that, I think that's where I went through a, a big kind of personality change, mostly due to football and, and the kind of experiences I had with my, with my friends there. It was, it was one hell of a time. And, yeah. Man. And, and I think kind of, I don't know if it changed me for the better, but I'm, I'm pretty happy to be where I'm at now. And I mean, yeah, I'd probably come across as kind of confident in my stories and, and stuff like that. And, oh, you know, he, he made an online course. Oh, he must be so confident talking into the camera, but that's, it's not the case. You know, you, you always kind of go, uh, you always kind of go through that process, right? In the beginning, it's like, oh, holy shit, man. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like, I'm, I'm, I've, I've looked at my Instagram stories from two years ago, two and a half to maybe, oh, man, oh, like three and a half years ago now. What the hell? Um, and they're terrible. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm clearly so awkward about it I, I i would used to have to let's say i'm in triangle reserve and i'm thinking oh, i should i should really make a story of this right now like i'm sure people would like to see this i couldn't talk about things on my stories in front of her or other people i had to go off down the beach outside yeah yeah <laughs> yeah less than that i totally understand I, I probably, yeah i probably had to sink a beer and, and run <laughs> half a mile down the beach and if anyone came past me doesn't matter if I if I knew him or I didn't. I would stop that story and go again and wait until no one was there. It horrified me. Um, but you just learn to become comfortable with things like that, it's, and I think more confident in the things that that you do as time progresses and and you dedicate more time to it. Right. Yeah. So you think it's just been a time oh, thing, yeah. just sticking with it, and and it got it got naturally better. But you're still you still feel that anxiety a little bit as well when you do the stories or you're in social situations. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Um, not so much social situation. I love socials. I love hanging out with people, and mm-hmm. that doesn't get me so much. But the the stories thing, I don't know what it is. I'd have to I'd have to look into that. But it's still kind of maybe it's just, maybe it must just be the fear of being judged that, yep. that kind of puts me off. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's <laughs> see all these people over there, all these cool looking people in Changu, and you're like, yeah, they must think he's this douchebag doing the stories. <laughs> It could fun. be a British thing. Uh, it could be a very British thing, man. Yeah, it could be. I feel like a lot of us back home are kind of like that. Yeah, if you, us, see someone, but... if you see someone walking around with a phone, talking at the phone back in the UK, you think, look at that wanker, you know? <laughs> Even though we do it every day. We do it every day. Yeah, we do it every day, yeah. That's true, that's true. I didn't even think of it like that. Have yeah. you always kind of been the way you are? Um, I remember when Ivana and I first started traveling, which would have been January 2017, we went to Singapore and we'd watched vloggers, um, Lost LeBlanc and a few, other blo- a few other vloggers who were naturally very good at it. And I always thought, I could do that, that looks easy. And I said to Ivana, as soon as we step off that plane in Singapore, I'm going to start doing stories, I'm going to start talking to the camera 
and we're going to start vlogging like all the people that have been watching leading up to our, our, our world travels. And we got off the plane. We got, we got off the plane. I remember getting into the airport and I was like, right, let's do it. And I got the camera out and I, I, I kind of got it out. And then I was like, uh, 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 and I, I never knew what to say. And I was like you so self-conscious and it took me ages <laughs> to get used to it, man. You're just like, wait, my head looks like this shape. <laughs> It's, it's more. It's, my my anxiety came from more about what other people would think about me talking into the phone, and I still get that today, mm. man. I'm like you. If I'm in a situation where, if I'm in a social situation in a restaurant or whatever, there's people around. Sometimes, again, it's usually if I've had one or two drinks, I don't really mind. But usually, I'm very self-conscious and wary of like talking to the camera mm. because I always think they're they're probably listening to me and they're probably like, what a wanker. What a wanker. It's funny though, isn't it? You know, like I'm much better at that now. Though, yeah, I, I try not to let you know that kind of fear of being judged overcome me. And I actually try to think of it a little bit, try and try actually flip it around. It's actually just me being selfish, and you know, I'm, I'm not sharing my message with with you know hundreds of thousands of people who follow you, and and you could, you're just gonna fucking give up like that and not and not show them what's going on, or you know, like teach them a little lesson here and there. Maybe it's something to do with photography. You know, I just try to flip it that way and think it, it's nothing to do with these people. It, it's all on me. It's, this is my fault for not doing it. So, so kind of put your big boy pants on and get it done. <laughs> totally agree, yeah. man. It's very it's much a mindset thing. Like for me, um, the, the thing that flipped it for me is before we started traveling and doing the, the talking to the phone vlogging thing, I used to do a lot of Snapchats just between me and my friends and it was yeah. always silly stuff yeah, but yeah. it always it always got a lot of engagement so I thought you know what I'm just going to yeah. treat this as if I'm just whenever I talk to the camera I'm just talking to my mates and that is it and that's what I've done yeah. ever since then and it makes such a big difference yeah it's, that's funny you say that I mean I didn't think of that but I used to be exactly the same I mean bear in mind I haven't used that I haven't used Snapchat for like six years mm -hmm. I mean yeah, about five and a half years I haven't used Snapchat before, but I remember just sending videos to my mates. I didn't give a shit what I looked like. Yeah, I, it was it was just a laugh. But now, I, you know, what what's so different now? Like, mm -hmm. how has it actually changed? If anything, it's way more worthwhile doing them, but it seems mm -hmm. more daunting. Yeah, man, that's that's the yeah. kind of that's the thing that flipped for me. It was just a mental mental thing. So every time I do a story now, I always imagine it's going to my mates. I'm just trying, just trying to impress yeah. my mates, you know. I'm just trying to inform them. All my friends and family, all my family back home, just trying to inform them about what I'm up to, you know. Uh, yeah, it's nice, man. And your family keep up with what you're doing. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, I think I think we've got twenty nine thousand followers, and I think my family are twenty eight point five thousand. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Man. Uh, yeah, it's nice when your when your parents get involved with that kind of stuff, eh? Hey? Absolutely, man. It also we'll get them informed, man. I mean, it also keeps them informed on, on everything that you're doing as well, which is really, it's a really nice thing for them. I'm, from the conversations I've had, anyway. you tend to find actually, note that you that you mentioned this, that your parents and your friends always know what you're up to, and they they, they never seem to miss you, or when you talk to them, they already know what you've been doing. So they never yeah. they never feel the need to reach out to you as much because they're checking in with you every single day, whereas you. You know, you only check in with them when you physically check in on them, you know? Yeah, true. Well, or like, you know, you'll text them and, and say, yeah, what's up, man? Like, how's it going? Because, yeah, we're always working and stuff like that. And maybe maybe it's because we have more followers that we would probably pop up at the top end of their, of their stories, right? 
uh, something to do with that and the amount of times you interact with certain accounts. But, but yeah, I mean, so, sometimes I think in the past I would have thought like, yeah, why is this person, why is my friend not like getting in touch with me? Like, dude, you're not my best friend and, and you never reach out. Like, what's up? It's always me kind of checking in on you and how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. I didn't, probably, it probably is a bit of that as well. Right? Yeah, they know what you're up to uh, all day, every day. I get it too. Even recently, I guess, is you see people's stories all the time. So you might have the intention to kind of call someone and actually catch up with them. But maybe subconsciously, you're like, oh, no, I've seen all their stories. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need to call them. There's no point. Yeah, I'm informed. Yeah, I'm informed. Yeah. yeah. They seem all right. Yeah. There's no need to check in. Yeah. That's, that's basically. It's not the way it should be, but I can understand it. Uh, it took me a while to get used to that because whenever I did check in with friends and family back home, they knew what I'd been up to. Um, they knew how I was. How I was. They knew that you know. They knew everything pretty much that was going on. Uh, so so yeah. it was pretty surreal, and it made a lot of sense about why maybe they didn't reach out as much because they just felt like they were seeing me every day. You know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, that that's probably the point at which you should just have the conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not about sex, but you should probably, you know. <laughs> Could have that conversation as well if you want. If you want, yeah. I mean, that's, that's your cool. But yeah, that's probably the point in which, you know, then you have to have the conversation with someone to kind of, it sounds a bit anal and a bit formal, mm-hmm. but to like kind of set that boundary, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it that makes sense. Or kind of, cause otherwise they just break your expectations. Yeah, uh, I don't like, expect, oh, I, expect I expect them to reach out to me, but they're not doing it. But you know, you haven't said anything to them, so how the hell would they know? Yeah, it's something yeah. I've gotten used to, man. And yeah, I'm sure you have as well. Now let's yeah, rewind yeah. a wee bit. Okay, go ahead. Now what are you going to say before we rewind a little bit? Um, oh, I was going to say the thing about the the friends. You know, like where you may expect them to keep in touch with you. That's not always going to be the case anyway, because people move on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. You, you weed out the chaff, oh, you know, you weed out the rubbish when you, you leave, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and the ones yeah. that want to keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even then, you, you kind of, I feel like with some people, I've maybe lost touch with them where, where I wouldn't really want to. It's not because anything ended on bad terms, but I think it's kind of natural progression in a way, right? People just move on, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's not through hate, hatred or anything like that. It's just people move in different directions, and, and it's kind of important, right? I mean, I think if you're... If you're probably hanging out with the same people from the age of 10 till your, your deathbed, yeah, there's probably not a, a, a very lot of room for growth there. Yeah, I mean, apart from the, yeah, I totally agree, man. Apart from, you know, there's, there might be one, two or three that, that progress with you and you naturally progress, but there's always going to be people that, that kind of fall away, especially what we do, man, when it comes to travel. I think when you live in the oh, UK, God. especially if you if you're there and you're in and about the town, you're always remembered. You're always known. You're always having the same conversations. But doing this, if you're out of sight, then you are out of mind for a lot of people right? because they've got their, their own lives going on. If you're if you're not in and around the town or you're not seeing them in the same places in the same bars, then you you mm. won't. You naturally you'll just kind of fall away from them. Yeah, true. I, I guess so, man. I mean, that's that's just the way of of our life, isn't it? But I think, you know, kind of used to it now. Like, I mean, especially when we lived in China, I, I, I didn't really, I really stay in contact with too many people, man. It was hard enough to get in touch with people. So I kind of just dropped off the radar for, yeah. for the best part of a year. Yeah. But the good, but, the um, good that, thing that, about that, what we that's do. Our life, you know? That's our yes. life. It's transient, transient friendships. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the good thing about what we do is you, always, you, you tend to then naturally find people within your niche uh, or with a similar mindset. So you make plenty of friends on the road. Obviously, I'm sure you've made plenty of friends yeah, doing you, the, the you, photography. I mean, I've made, plenty, I've made plenty of friends on the road. But, I mean, yeah, to find friends, right? You know, acquaintance mm. that someone you really like but don't know well. Um, mm. Which is why it's nice to be based here. And I know being based in Bali has a stigma. And I mean, I couldn't give a shit about that stigma because I got nothing to do with it. But, <laughs> well, maybe I do. But, I mean, it, it's so awesome to have people like you and some of the other friends that we have there that we can see on a regular basis. Man, it, it kind of it makes it feel much more like home. I think Bali right now more than ever is, is feels like home for sure, man. Um, and it's been really nice mm. to, because we're also on the move, it's been really nice for us all just to kind of stay static for 10 minutes just to try and, and yeah. especially yourself and uh, you, you and me, we've, we've been meeting up every day and playing football and Call of Duty and having a drink. And it's been really nice, man. Mm. It's been really, really nice to kind of solidify these friendships here with, with like-minded people. Yeah, it has. I mean, you just brought out my two, my three favorite topics. Yeah, photography that one? very short. I mean, drinking, Call of Duty, and football. <laughs> I've just ticked all the boxes. Yeah, you took all the boxes, man. Stokes <laughs> moving out. You're moving in. <laughs> <laughs> me, you, and uh, the cats. No, she'll take the cats. No, she won't. Me and you. No, mind. Yeah, <laughs> you and the cats is awesome. You can wear a little wig or something. Uh, whatever floats your boat, man. Whatever floats your boat. Now, I want to rewind. I want to rewind because we went off on a wee tangent there, but it was yeah. a nice tangent. I like that. I like when we go on tangents that give value, so that's fine. But I want to go back to university. Yeah. Where and what yeah. did you study? I studied uh, marketing and advertising management at Canterbury Christchurch University. Excellent. Now, is this something that you had a passion for and wanted to pursue as a career, or was it just something you fell into after high school? Um, I wouldn't say I, no, I definitely didn't have a passion for it. No. Um, I may have thought at the time that I did, but then I don't think I truly would have known. I mean, I had a passion for Call of G that was far stronger than, than marketing and advertising at the time. <laughs> um, I, I didn't originally plan on going to university. Um, I didn't actually know what I was going to do. I think I may have been with an ex-girlfriend at the time and I, and I was young and a fucking idiot, so I was just hanging out with her a lot, and, and I, I honestly didn't really know what I was going to do. I, I didn't think I was going to go to university, and I actually ended up applying quite late, uh, yeah, for that because I, I I think we actually ended up breaking up, and I was like, shit, I don't just want to sit around at home and get a shitty job here. So, um, uni sounds fun. I'll go and do that. Okay, and was it just like uh, you picked the the most generic subject that you could find that may lead to a job? No, uh, I didn't. I, I studied business uh, for A-level. It's funny, actually, of the three subjects I did. Now, I dropped uh, my fourth subject because I failed it. I got a U in it in my, in my AS, year 12. So I thought best to drop that and, and try and recover the... the uh, God, I don't even know what grades I got, did. I, I'm pretty sure I got three Ds in a U in, my, in, my, in year 12. Um, so I thought maybe best to drop the U and, and focus on the three Ds and uh, <laughs> try and pick those up. What's actually funny is I had to redo um, my AS and A2 in one year. Wow. Um, so I had to do year 12 and 13 in, in year 13. Wow. Um, 
and God bless, I made that made it through that. I don't know how it happened. I got my I knuckled down hard, man. Um, so you're yeah, capable. You're yeah. capable. You just, you, just uh, you don't apply yourself I mean, unless you actually you actually like the subject that you're focusing on. Yes, I mean, I I think most people would find it hard to really knuckle down something they don't care about. Yeah. Even now, yeah. you know, like yeah. even now, I probably take on projects that I actually don't care about. Um, I find it really hard to connect to to the to to the project to the brand, um, and I lose interest in it really quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, that's a problem of mine. I, I'll happily sign up to things, and I love having these initial conversations with people because they're all excited, which gets me excited. And then halfway through the process, I'm like, "Why the hell did I start this shit? Like, this is <laughs> literally driving me insane." Anyway, yeah. I'll I'll go back to the uni thing because, um, god damn, yeah. Um, Canterbury Christchurch University Marketing and Advertising, and I studied business in A level. It was the worst. It was the second of the three subjects that I finished at school. That was my worst grade, but I ended up deciding to go for a uni anyway because I just enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I've ever been too uh, great with theory um, and stuff like that. You know, um, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't really connect with that kind of shit. It's not. It's just not who I am. I, okay, I remember, so like, studying the book stuff and thinking I'm answering things right, but but on paper and in an exam, fuck, I'm, I'm I'm useless, dude. I hate exams. Yeah. How would you describe your lifestyle and mentality throughout that period in your life then? Um, my mentality then was probably, I, I mean, it, it really changed. Yeah. It really, I went through a very quick transition. I think when, when I actually said earlier that my personality probably changed, um, you need that's that's for sure but i think i also went under underwent like a massive transition in in my final year of school because i had that whole first girlfriend thing we broke up i was like oh this sucks this is so sad and i was probably a, a fucking annoying arsehole when i was with her um and probably a nightmare with my parents and and a nightmare with my the kind of guy that didn't see his friends you know that kind of loser um <laughs> that was that was me um yeah. but i underwent a, yeah a huge transition where I'd failed all my, all my, I did, I remember failing all my exams and, and my mum came to pick me up at the back end of school because she dropped me off so I could get my results. And, and she, she, yeah, I mean, I went back to the car and I was just like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go three days in a year. That must have been <laughs> yeah, a difficult conversation. Good. Yeah, my mindset wasn't great back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, like now, say we can listen to podcasts, we can go to all these these incredible events around the world and, and hear these, these industry leaders talk about different things. And, and I mean, mindset and mental health is something people talk about now. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that word that those two words put together until fucking like a few years back. The last right? few years. Absolutely. Especially with yeah. the males, man. Yeah. I mean, even with girls too, I would say, honestly, I would say that because there were quite a few there was a couple of girls in our in our year at school. I mean, I went to an all boys school, but a couple transitioned over from the girls' school in our town, and some of them were going through. When I look back on it, really bad time, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. a really rough fucking time. And but it was never labelled as you know, oh, mental health problems. And then you know, people do that now. 
you'd like to think people would be more sympathetic towards them, but, I mean, we were a bunch of, and it wasn't me giving them shit, but, I mean, you know, they're 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. Most of them, them, if they're in an all-boys school, it's pretty pretty rough anyway. Very ruthless. Um, Yeah, it can be, man. Yeah, I mean, even I was bullied in school in, Mm -hmm. like, when I was, like, 17... 16, 17, 18, yeah, it's rough. It's not nice. Right. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm probably always a bit more sympathetic towards that shit. And I don't really like to talk shit about people. It's not, it's not something I'm very fond of. But, it's a good um, quality help. Yeah, one. Did, did, did go through a transition. Sorry, I know I keep um, rambling on, but yeah. I mean, I think my, my personality, the way I was back then, was probably very erratic, uh, very aggressive. Um, and, Still, I think deep down, quite a nice person, you know, do anything yeah. for anyone. But, but it just, yeah, maybe, maybe I had this, this kind of mental block back then. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it all kind of changed around when I, when I figured out I wanted to go to university and I, I thought, there's now or never, you know, if I don't, if I don't make this happen, uh, what the hell am I going to do? So yeah. at that point, there's no choice. Well, it sounds like it was meant to be, man. It sounds like uh, the university was just the, the, the transition that you needed at the right time. So it's fascinating to hear what you used to be like, man, because knowing you now, it's hard to imagine you actually being like that. Um, so it's, that's yeah, a fascinating well, answer. Yeah, most people don't know this kind of stuff because most people don't ask you know, questions beyond surface level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say most people, that was an overgeneralization. <laughs> um, but a lot of time in conversation, that stuff doesn't come up, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why we're here. Yeah, that's yeah. why we have these conversations. Even here, even here, even when we're, we're kind of living here, you know, it can still be very transient. So you don't often get to dig deep with people like that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's nice to be able to, man. I, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk about my past and stuff like that. And, it's, and I've changed a lot. Yeah. Um, it kind of defines who you are now. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. In, in a yeah. sense, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've always been that way, though? Me? No, absolutely not, man. The way I used to be is a whole podcast episode on its own, honestly. Um, I have come out, listen, we can can get on George's big podcast at some point and uh, discuss that because I have come a long, long way, man. I probably probably will discuss this in future episodes. I've, I've touched on it in past episodes as well, but there's been a few. There's been a few defining points in my life where where things have changed absolutely. So no, I've never always been this way, man. I've been an absolute dickhead in the past as well. There's been points in my life yeah, where yeah. I've been aggressive. There's been points in my life where I've been erratic, destructive. But like you, I've always had a good heart. I've always had compassion and empathy. But there's been troubled times yeah, in the past yeah. for sure. You know. Yeah, and I think. I think that happens with a lot of young people there, you know? Yeah. I think it's important. If we were the same as we were when we were 18, then I would be pretty concerned for myself. Yes, absolutely. There has to be growth. That's a zero progression in eight years. Dude, Mm. I'd be so fucking worried. Which does happen. But there has to be growth. There has to be progression, man. Um, And the people who tend to thrive are the people who do learn from mistakes and who do reflect on situations and naturally grow, you know? Yeah, I mean, when I went to uh, Lewis House Summit of Greatness last year in September 2019, it was in Columbus, Ohio. Anyway, I was listening to this guy, Jesse Isler, speak, and he was saying he wants to pretty much like redefine himself every single year. 
Yeah. He doesn't want to, when he's 52, he doesn't want to be the same person as he was when he was 51. When yep. he's, or he wants to be a better version of himself when he's 52 as opposed to 51. And yep. every single year he wants to be a better and different person. Yeah. I can relate to that because I've actually used this theory myself and I don't know where I came up with this theory, but it's very brainy for me. But I always tell people that I think you basically, it's like you shed a skin every three years. So every three years, your religious beliefs change, your, your social anxiety, change, like absolutely every aspect of your personality, your being, your thought process, everything changes. Now, if the people around you don't grow with you every three years and you shed this skin, then that's when you get the, the natural distancing. So I'm a big believer yeah. in that, man. I'm a big believer that, that you do change and that, that everything does evolve. And, and I always tend to say it's every three years because I just, I use my own personal, um, like my past, just to, to reflect on that. And I, it just seems to be every three years, there seems to be some kind of transition or some kind of like mm. change, you know, where it's noticeable, you know? Yeah, that's interesting, man. I mean, it probably, I mean, the first thing that came to my head was university and that was three years. <laughs> I mean, geez, from, from the beginning to the end of that. Massive, I mean, just monumental changes, dude. And then you go from the end of uni to, to I mean, three years after that, I mean, I was pretty much dead broke. Yeah. Uh, trying to do this photography thing. And then three years later, now we've just, we're just about to release our second course. Damn, maybe you're onto something. I'm onto something, Jamie. I'm going to write a book, <laughs> the, the Three Year Philosophy or something like that. Leave it with me. I'll, I'll come up with a better name than that. But that's just yeah, I don't something like that. The name, but I like the idea. Yeah, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Now, when you're back yeah, at university, yeah. did you have any interest in photography at all? No. Not, not one bit? No. No, not at all, dude. Um, I mean, Christ, like, Instagram just came out in, when was it, 2010, 2011, 2010? I think it's 2010. Um, I didn't have it in 2010. I, I didn't do anything about taking photos, man. Like, you, I don't, I, I'd love to see my camera roll from back then. Like, what the hell? Are, I mean, it would be so different to now. George cri um, critiques George. That'd be a good episode. That would be funny. Yeah, that would be so <laughs> funny. But no, I didn't. I had no interest in taking photos then, mate. I mean, I kind of like the outdoors. Like, me and dad would sometimes go up the cliffs for a walk and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I mean, I had no interest in taking photographs. And I didn't, I've never formally learned anything to do with photography. I mean, you, right. yeah, I've downloaded courses and stuff to learn how to do particular things, but no, I've never, you know, it's not like I took a class at university or an extra, extra classes after lessons, you know, stuff like that. I didn't do it in school. Uh, I just kind of picked it up and ran with it. Yeah, that always fascinates me when you always think of someone who's like a master at their craft or they've really excelled in a particular subject. You always go, well, they must, have, they must have been doing this all their life or they must have been professionally trained or they've mirrored a professional or they've been to school and they've learned about or the, the theory behind it. But for you, it's, it's never been that way. No, no, it hasn't. Um, I mean, I picked it up in, like I said, I bought one, just I bought a camera just before I went out to China and I did get those books. Um, I love reading books, but I mean, when they're, when they're about the technicalities of photography, it makes me want to be sick. It's, yep. it's horrifically <laughs> boring, in my opinion. Yep. <clears throat> I've just never been interested in shit like that, mate. I'd rather just go out and do it Mm -hmm. and fuck up a load of times and figure it out myself. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you certainly don't need to go to... I really don't think you need to go to university to, to do photography. And I'm not, I'm not slamming anyone that's currently doing that right now. I mean, mm -hmm. more power to you if you are. And if that's something, you know, you were really set on them, go for it. But 
Um, I don't think it's certainly necessary to make it in this whole world of photography at all. In fact, most people, I, I don't actually know anyone who's, yeah, I don't have any friends here in this space who studied photography at university. It's fascinating, man. That's a fascinating insight because, again, I think that's just a, a stereotype for the likes of you and, and your friends who have got similar sized accounts or um, similar uh, styles and stuff like that or similar abilities. People can just assume that, that you've, been, you've been professionally taught or you've paid a lot of money to learn these, these skills. So, I mean, that's very attainable. It's very relatable that that anyone can really just pick up a camera and if they work hard enough, yeah. then they can make it to the point yeah, where you Yeah, if they work hard, it, it's a combination of things. You, there is a certain element of, you know, as they say, like having an eye for it. That's absolutely true. Yeah. It's not, it's not as, as straightforward as if you go on this, this and this course and you watch this many hours of YouTube videos, the, your photos will be the same. You might be able to absolutely replicate their image, but it's it, it. But then it goes beyond that. It's about going out and being able to do things by yourself and and kind of come up with new concepts that you that you think all these hundreds of thousands of people are going to find interesting. It's very different. Um, but yeah, it's not. It, yeah, you, you you do have to kind of have the eye for it. But I think that's that's fine. We're not we're not all built to take great photographs. If we were, it'd be a pretty fucking boring world, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be out of a job. So, yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> True. yeah I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no money, mate. Yeah, I'd be stuffed. <laughs> I'd be back in the supermarket and picking up dead birds out of the car park. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now, before we go any further, I want to bring in your other half, Sophia. Uh, you, you briefly mentioned her at the beginning. Well, but I, she is the biggest legend. Uh, she plays such a pivotal role in your life. So how and where did you guys meet? Tinder, November 2014. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that was quite funny. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what day it was that we started talking or that we matched per se, but um, yeah, Tinder. Yeah, Perfect, people laugh no. at me. So. No, I met, I, couple, said, I met a couple people. You met on Tinder, right? You met, we, met uh, in, we met in Bumble. Yeah, we met in Bumble. I said, listen, uh, it's the 21st century. That's how people meet people. We don't meet people in bars anymore. You know, it's all about the the apps swiping. It's like an Argos catalog, you know, just swiping <laughs> left and right. <laughs> yeah, you just punch in the code for safe. She just, she just gets brought up to the two and you take her own. That's it. There you go. And then you've been with her ever since. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really mad, dude. Yeah. It's really mad. I mean, I had a lot of matches on that thing. I can imagine. You're so, handsome, man. I was. But used to be. I was. I used to be, mate. So, yeah, I, I understand that. But now, I mean, if I tried if I tried that game now, I'd be fucked. Oh, you'd be in big <laughs> trouble, man. Especially here in Bali. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big trouble. Um, but, yeah, I, I just find that I find it absolutely... Yeah, she is... She's incredible, man. That's what I was going to she's say, man. She's probably going to listen to this and think, oh, Jordan had a beer before the podcast. He had a beer on the show. So he's probably pissed up and, and saying mm-hmm. all this stuff. Um, but no, it's, it's true, man. Uh, yeah. I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be doing this without her. But that's what I was going to say. I was going to ask, can we delve a little deeper into how you two function together? Um, yeah. But also, in fact, let's, let's just actually hear about what, like the, the decision the two of you made uh, on moving to China. 
That was the next thing I wanted mm. to touch on. How did that come about? Because that's a huge life decision, especially for two Southern English people um, who just kind of met and their love is blossoming and next minute you're yeah, moving to China. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess it does sound quite... It's when you say it like that, it does sound mm. kind of mad. We'd only know, we hadn't even known each other for a year and we'd already moved into a flat in China. Um, right, so, I, I mean, so I've studied law in Chinese and she got a first. She's smart, smart as hell. Mm. Uh, and she basically went to the... <laughs> I'm not going to say better uni in our town because I hate them all <laughs> with a passion. Yeah. She's okay. Um, she, she, yeah, she went to the better uni. I mean, her uni is like, I don't know, it might even be top 10 now, but it's top 15 <laughs> in the UK. Mine was, in retrospect, probably bottom 15. Okay. Um, yeah, but anyway, we met, blah, blah, blah. And she just put it up in conversation. You know, like she, she'd studied abroad in China for a year. Uh, she, she studied, actually, I don't think it was an entire year, but she studied there. She may have off the books, you know, taught some Chinese at the school. You know, I don't know if she definitely did that, but she may have done that. <laughs> just in case, just in case <laughs> and, the tax man's listening, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Who's the tax man? And, um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, she, she got on really well with the people that worked there. She was good at teaching. She came home. We met. And then honestly, it was a couple of weeks. I'm pretty sure it may have been a month, not even a month after we'd met. I mean, we got on really well. We still get on okay. Uh, and, and she was just saying to me, you know, I'm thinking of going to China uh, once I finished this law degree. I remember thinking that, what the fuck are you on about? So random. Um, but also I found that quite exciting. And... Uh, I had gone traveling for the first time with my friends. Uh, that's the summer of, of 2014. So I met her in December, but I've been traveling for nine weeks in the summer of 2014. So about six months before I met her. And I kind of had this, you know, the travel bug cliche mm-hmm. thingy. Um, I had that and I was just like, God, I just want to do anything to travel. Uh, what's actually funny is a month or two before I'd even met her, I was looking up um, online uh, places, you know, countries in Southeast Asia that I could go and teach English. I actually had a bookmark for uh, for this place, for uh, for this website for like teaching English in China. Eerie. and very uh, eerie. And, for, and for, yeah, kind of weird. And for teaching English in I don't know, it might have been like Thailand or something like that. Um, so when the idea came up, I was like, at first, obviously, a bit like, whoa. Um, I probably jumped it to try and impress her. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, you know, in my, own, in my own time, I probably thought, what the fuck's going on? Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of crazy. But I just wanted to do something different. I knew I wanted to travel more. I didn't know what it would bring, but I, but I was, I, I was, this is, this is weird, hey? I used to work for my local, for my to- county tourism board. Right. Yeah, in digital marketing, so in social media management. Wow. That's wild. That's really weird, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the climate's changed since then, but it is still kind of weird. I mean, the job is is great. The people I worked with were just some of the nicest people I've ever met and such good fun too. So I really enjoyed it. The pay was shit, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I kind of signed up on a six month contract. 
and it was coming towards the end of that and they were like hey um i just assumed they were gonna like you know get rid of me after that but they were like, hey you know we really like what you're doing we'd love to send you a contract and and you know if you want to stay another six months or i can't remember what it was it might have been do you want to do another year uh that'd be awesome you know we'd love to have you and i said like, actually um you know i really like it but i'm not going to be staying uh i'm <laughs> I'm kind of trying to teach English, and I, and I was I was learning Chinese at my desk on the last few weeks. I, I was taking in books and just studying Chinese because, you know, I was like, "Fuck, I need to practice now." Because mm. <laughs> it's going to be rough out there. But yeah, interesting. Man. That's pretty much. Well, now I can imagine yeah, from yeah. growing up in Dover to finding yourself living in China it must have been a bit of a culture shock. What were your first impressions? Oh man, honestly. It was probably the most stressed out I've ever been. I was actually miserable for the first month. Right. We, I remember flying there and thinking, oh, it's just so exciting. And, you know, bless my mum, like, super supportive. But at the time, I don't think like, she liked the idea of me leaving the country for an extended period. She's like, oh, you know, you don't know Chinese. <laughs> you, uh, you know this, don't that. I was like, mum, shut up. I'm still going. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm still going, mate. I'm not listening to you. Um, I kind of wish I had for that first month, but I had listened to her because, I mean, it was hot. It was really, really uncomfortably hot, man. It was, there was in like 40 plus degrees, humidity through the roof. Um, I, I remember the first night we got there. We we got to the airport, we got a cab, and we're, we're getting taken because we didn't have a, a flat at this point we didn't we didn't have a flat so so we were like oh we'll we'll go to this we, we were the sorry the school booked us into a hotel in the city center of Chongqing I'd never been there I'd seen about there there were about five or six images on Google that I had to reference for this place and bear in mind it's unofficially the most popular city on earth this place is just it's like half the UK's population shoved into a city um, I think there's Something. maybe like 30, 30, 30 million people there. 32 million, million people. Jeez. It's, it's ridiculous, dude. Um, but anyway, I remember getting there at the airport and the traffic was horrific. I've never seen, it took two hours to get from the airport to the hotel, which was probably about 25 kilometers. It was gray as hell. I mean, just, just looked miserable, man. The roads were grey. The buildings looked grey. Sky was grey. Sounds like Scotland. Gray. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm at home. Um, got to the hotel. I was at the Wi-Fi didn't work. I couldn't get. I needed a VPN. I couldn't get the VPN to to get in contact with people at home. It's hot as fuck. The the shower had no hot water. I mean, yeah, truly the cold shower would have been nice when I'm hot, but it was just that kind. Of, I think I was just looking for some kind of comfort. Mm-hmm. shower didn't work bed was i mean i'm really bitching about it but it was just a really uncomfortable experience dude and then yeah. on top of that it's you know i've moved to this place i have no idea about uh they don't speak english i'm eating food i've never tried before i'm now working at a job i yeah i did a TEFL qualification online that does not prepare you for it okay <laughs> <laughs> like honestly i then i mean i passed the test with flying colors which is strange because I'm not a good at tests, but um, yeah, I mean, teaching in a new place, I mean, t- teaching alone, just in a new career. I'm meeting all these new people at work. I'm trying to find a flat to live in at the same time. 
uh, man, it was just a real head fuck. And honestly did my head in. I cried on multiple occasions in my bed and like just thinking, I'm so done with this shit. Yeah. And I just want to go home. What was the turning point? After about a month or so, I think. Right. Was that yeah, a defining moment or? <sighs> no, not really. I mean, I, it, honestly, I just remember that from the, from the beginning, just, I don't remember a turning point, but I'm, I'm more so remember the shit, the shit stuff in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I remember also being wild, right? And thinking, oh my God, this place is so cool. But um, also just, yeah, I just remember the shit times in the beginning, mate, but I know it eased out over a month or so. Yeah. Um, God knows what I would have done if I was alone without Soph. Probably wouldn't have chosen that city to start with. But yeah, it was just intense, man. I just, I just, I needed some kind of comfort and there wasn't any. Right. There really, there really wasn't anything, anything there to comfort me. And Soph, maybe, but it's like, you know, you can only say, oh, it's okay. You know, you, you kind of get used to it. In the back of your head, you're just like, oh, shut the fuck up. I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like your survival mode I mean, kicked in. Yeah, I'd call my mum and try and, um, you know, just just have a conversation with her, like just dead upset on the phone, mate. Like I just don't want to be. And she's like, no, you got to stick it out. You got to stick it out. You got to say release the mum. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I really disappointed. I don't know. I started, um I think actually a turning point may have been when I I started to travel in China. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm stuck in this big gray city. I've never lived in a big city like that before. I mean, I lived in Canterbury. I grew up in Dover. I lived in Canterbury. Canterbury's a low rise, you know, Canterbury cathedral, old school, old, old English buildings and stuff. It's not a metropolis. Um, yeah. but I think, yeah, once I started traveling and getting outside the city and going and seeing all these beautiful places, um, it really changed for me probably around then, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I started to realize, you know, if you can kind of just pull through this, through his shit, the teaching got easier. I, I, you know, came to get to know the kids I was teaching and came to understand like a little bit about how to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, made friends with my colleagues, stuff like that. So very quickly, it went full one eighty. You, you you arrived in the place, and all it was a a shock to the system, a sensory overload. And then after a month or so, you you really started to fall in love with China. Yeah. So the beginning of it was total attack, assault on my senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now I was going. I was on the toilet for a week straight, mate. Um, <laughs> at one point, the food was going right through me. It was just awful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, once I started to travel, man. I mean, that was it. To to kind of kind of with that though. I mean, there was a point at where I got to about six months in, and I was like. I started to really get obsessed with the photography thing. I wasn't really watching YouTube tutorials and stuff like that because most of the ones I found were kind of boring. But And there's a lot of great stuff out now, which would have been nice to watch then. But um, at the time, I was just so obsessed with, I just wanted to take photos. That's all I wanted to do. And I, I actually wanted to quit my job halfway through the contract and, and just get traveling and start shooting. But I'm glad I sticked it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd fall in love with it. And now, you know, when it came towards the end of that year, I was just, I was kind of done with it. I was like, yeah, I want to get out of here, just living in this big, smelly city. Uh, there's more to it than that. It's not just a big, smelly city. <laughs> but I was like, I just need to get out of here, mate. You know, like, I, I need to go and shoot. Like, it's what I need to be doing right now. I don't know what it means. I don't know how I'm going to make money. I don't know if I'll ever make money with it. I don't really care. I just want to go and do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, sticking with China, 
I just want to stick with the China theme right now because it's a very relevant topic. And you often tell me your admiration for China uh, and how if you had the choice or the chance you would move back there tomorrow. Is that still the case? I'll probably say that after a couple of beers, hey. <laughs> given the, given uh, the choice, it'd be between, I guess, England, maybe Bali and China, maybe? That'd be your three choices? Yeah, I like, I like the sound of that. I like yeah. the sound of that. Mm-hmm. I also kind of toyed with the idea of New York. Something about that just seems so appealing. I mean, I mean, with the fact that you fell in love with photography in China, I can imagine it's very much like urban photography. So you're shooting streets and buildings and stuff like that. Um, so I can I can understand the New York bit of thing. Both, yeah, better both. I mean, I think the New York thing might be. I mean, yeah, travel the states and stuff like that. But I think it might also be a bit of. I don't know. I think it's different for us. You know, guys from the UK. I mean, you see mm-hmm. New York in the in the movies and shit like that. Since you mm-hmm. since you're a little kid, and you just yeah. have this idea of what it might be like to live there. Yeah. Uh, we we probably imagine all the all the good stuff, not the crap. But like friends, I know, just sounds like that, man. I mean, it's like when I moved to China, I didn't know what the hell it was going to be like. It was just mm-hmm. that sounds cool. I mean, let's yeah. go try it. I mean, worst case scenario, lucky to be in a position where we can just call it quits and go somewhere else. Yeah. Whereabouts in China would you live though, given the choice? Just the interest. Yeah, um, I would. It would be between Chongqing, where we lived previously, yeah. and Shanghai. Although I have a feeling we would probably choose Chongqing. Okay, so the place that you detested for the first one month of your Chinese experience, you would love. You would quite yeah. happily go back and live. Yeah, you know how it is, man. Like once something's <laughs> gone, you kind of you start yeah. to appreciate it. Like it, yeah. I think it's one of them, man, and just. Whenever we've been back, we've just really enjoyed our time there. Like we know our way around the city, we've got friends there and stuff. So, yeah, and and I also think there's a lot of opportunity there. So, that's what I was going to ask. The next question was going to be, what what is it about China that you love so much? Mate, I I love it all. There's, there's, I mean, if you're traveling intensely for a month there, it can be a bit long if you're going through these mega airports and. That's that's pretty taxing. But aside from that, oh man, there's just there's nothing I don't really like about it. The food is next level good. The landscape is the most diverse place I've ever been. Not only diverse, but also just the most epic stuff. You know, you, you think people would come to Bali for rice terraces? Are you kidding me? Like go to go to China for rice terraces? Like that's really? where the, that's where that's where the rice terraces are. Yeah, here yeah. what they're like five four or five tiers and. They're tiny, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're a speck in comparison, if I'm being quite honest. Yeah, they're very beautiful, but they've got nothing on out there. Right. Um, you, you know, out there you've got Avatar Mountains, you've got like those classical Chinese oil paintings, you've got the fishermen with the cormorant birds, you've got deserts, you've got the Himalayas. Chaos the old taste, I mean, Yeah. You've got the Great Wall. I mean, there's just, yeah, the list goes on. Inner Mongolia. Yeah. Tibetan culture, dude, there's just so much going on there. Um, people are cool, man. Uh, there's just something about the people that are quite, quite like, that's got a kind of like a bony charm to it. Right. It's, Which I'm sure I was, I was surprised a lot of people, yeah. man. I'm go, we're going to get into, the, we're gonna get into the, the stereotypical view of China and the Chinese people, um, because obviously you've got a better insight than anyone else. I feel like it's very important. Um, obviously, given the current coronavirus situation, how does it make you feel uh, like the negative connotations and the negative propaganda being spread across mainstream media and social media? 
Um, <clears throat> I guess it it depends on on you know who it's who it's written about in China. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. if it's aimed at the government, it's a little bit different. But I think when when people kind of spread a message that targets the population in general, that's when I start to just get a bit pissed off with it. Um, and I'm happy to say something about it too. You know, uh, there have been posts. Uh, I, I just won't name names because I can't be bothered to go go through that shit. But um, there there are posts that I've commented on. You know, and kind of shown my support. And, and I just don't really like the stuff that people write. Like you know, just these uninformed opinions, and and it almost just seems like it's the cool thing to do. Yeah, to yeah. Everyone's just jumping slate. on a bandwagon. <clears throat> yeah, man. People like you know. People are sh- a lot of people are, are sheep and they'll just they'll just kind of follow the trend without actually having researched it themselves or or without having any solid evidence or facts. That that's yeah. kind of when it frustrates me, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean there there is that stereotypical view and it's and it yeah, I think it just I just think it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, you're always yeah. whenever whenever we talk about it. Whenever we How talk about it, people, people were talking about us like that. If people yeah, were exactly. saying this kind of, you know, exactly easy so to point the finger and point the finger and stuff like that. But if it came back on you and it was the other way around, you know, how would you feel? Absolutely, man. Again, whenever we talk about China and the Chinese, and, and given the current situation, you can tell that you're very passionate about defending and sticking up for China and the Chinese people, especially, man, and, and their way of life. Yeah, which is quite nice. I mean, there, there are some things I don't stand. That, there are some things that I'm, I'm not. You know, I. I'm not very, I'm not political at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would never want that to be confused with like, oh, I support the Chinese government because that's not, that's, I don't, I'm not actually too interested in politics at all. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's not like I'm, I'm not standing here going like, yeah, I support yeah. the Chinese government. Like, that's not, that's not what it is. It's, it's just I've, I've met a lot of people that live there and I really like the kind of people that they are. And, well, it's and again, it's that. Think, it's that compassion and that empathy part of you that that you that you sh- that you feel towards the people. Again, we're not going into the pol- the political side of things. It's just the people yeah. as a whole and, the, and their way of life. Yeah, like very always very friendly towards me. I never feel how many Southeast how many countries have you been traveling around the world where you thought like, oh man, these people are out to get me. They're trying to get my money. They're trying to kind of mug me off here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have name names, but it happens. Never, never happened there. Yeah. Never felt, uh, never felt in danger there. In my opinion, I've never felt safer than, than, than when I was in China. But yeah, it's just, I guess it's just having met the people and you just feel some kind of compassion towards them. Yeah. And, it, and it's just the way it's portrayed, you know, like, like certain pages out there will post pictures of, of a lady having a sit down meal and eating a bat in a bowl, you know, but some kind of bat soup. And it's like, well, one minute, like that wasn't even taken in China. <laughs> that was taken in that was taken somewhere in the fucking South Pacific. Uh, South shit Pacific sticks. Like that. Shit sticks, unfortunately, with China. It, yeah, shit, it sticks more than most, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's I guess like you said, it's just the way the media portray it and yeah. and, and, and unfortunately there's a lot of people out there willing to kind of just believe what they see without without actually kind of doing the research themselves. But yeah, I mean what what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fair, man. I really enjoy it. I mean, yeah. it's 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 not often that I get a a different side of the coin when it comes to talking about China because I don't I don't know anyone who's lived in China. I don't know, I, I don't actually know any Chinese people. So it's uh, again, it's always what you're force fed from the media. And right now in this coronavirus situation, ninety nine point nine percent of it is negative. And 
and the Chinese ways not to come out and defend themselves. It's almost like they, they, they kind of stay silent. So it's very easy for people who are ignorant, too ignorant to go and make an informed decision by collecting all of the facts just to make a, a poor judgment towards China and the Chinese people, which is, so I think it's really important, obviously from you, from your perspective, to hear it from an informed decision from someone who's lived there, who's experienced the culture, experienced the people. And it's, it's really nice to hear you stick up for them, man. Yeah, mate. I mean, I've just met so many good people there. Like, you know, I, I wonder, and I, I'm not going to assume anything, but I just wonder how many people might imagine that, you know, say I'd, I'd reach out to some, some Chinese people on Instagram because, ah, oh, yo, I'm coming to Shanghai. I'd love to go and shoot at these places. Um, and it'd be great if we could go together, like, happily buy you lunch or something. They end up taking you around for an entire two days and, and every single night taking you for dinner, insisting that they pay, insisting they get you. They don't fucking know me. Yeah. They have no reason to take me around and, and yeah, help me out and, and do all these things for me. Like that would that would rarely happen back home. You know? Really? I mean, not like I'm staying back home, but it's just That would really happen when you go with your friends. Oh mate, yeah. Imagine you're trying to get <laughs> trying to get your mate to buy you a beer or something, man. That's a mission. <laughs> ain't happen. Uh, no, not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure other people have had different experiences. And yeah. and yeah, certain things can be super weird and annoying um i've got some stories man that you know it's weird stuff that happened where you think yeah i'm not so, i'm not so keen on that like <laughs> but um but also plenty of great experiences too yeah so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to going back man and i honestly would you know all this news and propaganda and stuff like that it's, it's never going to stop me from going yeah and no, it's never going to stop me from telling people how i really feel about it yeah no, I really enjoy because your I conversations. Think it's worth seeing. I think it is worth seeing. I think it's worth people going there if they, you know, and they can decide for themselves what they think of it. If they think it sucks, fine. If they like as long it, as you've fine. been there, as long as you've been there to make yeah. your own informed decision rather than just yeah. stereotyping it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting. It's, it's an interesting one, you know. Yeah. So we go. So China is where you your love affair began with photography. Then is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And at what point did Absolutely. it go from an interest to a hobby or an interest to, you know, something you really took a, a stronger interest in? Um, I would say when we went to a little place called Guilin, it was, it's, uh, it's where, you know, the, the photographs you've seen of the fishermen with the birds. Yeah. Your famous, yeah. your famous pictures. Famous birthdays. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that spot. I think that may be where... And I didn't actually take photos of fishermen that time I went. I didn't even know you can organise something like that. I didn't even... I don't think... I, I didn't even know if I even went to the town where they were to take photos, to be quite honest. Um, oh, no, I think I did. It's just I had no idea how to organise that for a photo shoot. Things changed years down the line, but... So I went back to shoot that, and I'll go back again. Uh, as soon as the kind of borders reopen but yeah it probably started on that trip to the to the place where the fishermen are uh you, you've seen the other photos though you know like crazy peaks and and all that kind of stuff yeah i think it, it was there that i discovered manual focus okay <laughs> accidentally on my bed i was just kind of spinning this thing around on my lens like whoa like why is everything so blurry and then i spun it again and it came into focus i was like oh, i love these technical terms I was like, oh that's what that's what they were talking about in that boring book uh, like last year <laughs> now I get it 
Um, but yeah, probably I mean, as they started in China, and that's why I keep returning because I feel like I barely scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. But what I think you've touched on in the past, but what was the uh, what was the first camera that you ever bought? It was a Canon 700D, mm-hmm. and I had a kit lens with that, so like an 18 to 55. And that was at just the 18 to 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's all I had in the beginning. Uh, on a Canon 700D is uh, it's like a crop. Crop sensor, so it's like times 1.6, so it might be like a 27 to 70. Is that the cats? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just debating whether or not I should let her out of the room, otherwise she might you know, keep giving me shit for the next half an hour. <laughs> we'll continue. So, if she does that again, I'll, I'll launch her out of the door. Right. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Now, if anyone, this is probably a good, probably a good chat uh, Time for us to ask the question. Oh, are the cats cats joining us? <laughs> oh, what, what's that one? Who's that cat? That's Mrs. Helly. Mrs. Helly. Hello, Mrs. Yeah, Helly. Formal name Heligan Willigan. Heligan Willigan. So we've now been yeah, joined. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, we've now been joined by the cat Heligan Willigan, who is uh, one half of the, the white, yeah, the co-host of Jod's big <laughs> podcast. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how uh, Helligan Willigan gets on there. But uh, yeah, I was just going to say, man, this is probably a good chance to talk about. If any, again, if anyone's listening and they want to buy their first camera right now, what camera would you mm-hmm. recommend to them and why? God, I get asked this question a lot, man. I can this imagine. Must be I, the most question. I'm trying to keep away from the generic shit, but just by chance, in case what? someone's listening, yeah. you know? Yeah. Man, I mean. I did answer this to someone recently and it's, and it's funny because I don't often keep up to date with new cameras coming out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's kind of like, I've got a camera. It works fine for me right now. I'm not that interested in, although I saw the R5 was coming out. looks insane. Definitely getting mm-hmm. it. But I would recommend, and it's going to be really embarrassing if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was like the Canon 2000D. Right. I almost feel inclined to look this up on Google on my phone while I'm speaking to you and looking you in the eyes to know <laughs> if I'm wrong or not. Um, I mean, man, I started, it, 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 it actually really depends on your budget. Right. What's I your think budget? I always, uh, I always tell people the Sony A6, A7000 or something. Oh, no, I forget. I always tell someone some camera, but it seems like a great way to start Something like that. Some, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, it, it really depends on your budget. And also, awesome. it's... I think when you're when you're just starting out, I really don't think it's that important. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to put the pieces together and trying to understand if you actually enjoy this. You don't want to be doing photography if you hate it. If you yeah. find it like the most boring, laborious task on the planet, why the hell would you want to do that? So, so basically, you so could just more, buy an iPhone. Yeah, you could. I mean. People, people say that. I mean, the iPhone 11 is like insane. The photos that come out of that, they look better than the JPEGs on my phone. On my camera, sorry. They, the, the pictures literally look better than the preview on my camera, which is kind of annoying. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking to take it seriously and you have a little bit of money, just, just buy the camera. If you don't enjoy it, take it back or sell it on eBay. Like, whatever, you tried something, you, you maybe lost a little bit of money. It's not, it's not that much of a big deal. But yeah. You actually asked me what camera I'd recommend, and I've decided to talk about other things. I would, okay, I need to let her out. But oh, okay. I, I would probably say the Canon. I, I used the Canon 700D. It was great. There's a Canon. You can get the Canon 6D, which is a full full frame camera, yeah. really cheap entry level DSLR. Um, 
the 60 Mark II is another good shout. Then I think, like I said earlier, you've got Canon 2000D. I mean, there, there's so many options, man. And that's just that's just me talking about Canon right now, you know? Yeah. Like I said, the Canon. I don't really look at that stuff too much. It's just mm. stop overthinking all that shit. Just buy a freaking camera. I don't care what your budget is. Just buy one and, and start trying stuff out. That's, that's the most important thing. A lot of people like to talk about it, you know, and and unfortunately, that's that's what a lot of people just do. They just talk. Yeah. Um, so you better just, off just buying one. Don't really think. Don't don't think too much on what it is. Do a bit of research. It seems good for a beginning. Get it, and it's within your budget. Get it, and then start to shoot. Yeah. Good advice, man. Good advice. Yeah. You, I'm going to poo now, so I guess I'll wait until she's finished pooing. <laughs> this is an, an exclusive first on Jamie's Wee podcast. We have a cat doing a poo. This, uh, this is a real dizzy high, an escalated high. And, uh, and I just also like to point out that I actually have a litter tray in my bedroom. I came into the spare room. <laughs> I came into the spare room that I have passed on yeah. to the cats, and it's their yeah. room now, kind yeah. of. So, yeah, once she's gone for that crap, I'll make sure to get rid of her and the tray because if if yeah. if that kind of wafts in here, I'm probably going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I need safety fix that immediately. <laughs> so you got yeah. uh, which camera did you start with, Jamie? I wanted to ask. What camera did you start with? Because I had the Canon 700D. Have you always had Sony? Oh no, no. We, I mean, again, photography was something that I, I picked up as we were on the road. It was uh, Ivana's. Ivana had a camera which was like I don't know, ten years old. I think it was like the Canon 70D, and it was it came with a kit lens. Again, I forget which, which kit lens it was, but it was horrible, man. It was absolutely horrible. It was destroyed. But you know what? It got us to we knew nothing about photography. Um, and in the beginning, it was just we we shot in JPEG because we never knew anything about RAW. Um, it was yeah. we we basically knew nothing. We had the worst camera, but yeah. we still managed to get to like twenty thousand followers with that. And we still, in fact, we've actually slowed down now that we know we got a better camera and, and doing more technical edits. So I maybe we should go back to back to doing the the basics, you know. Um, but yeah, man, she her camera was horrible, man. It was really bad. The quality was terrible. A lot of noise in the images, and but you started yeah. with something. You just you started. 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 Learned about composition and all and everything else that comes with that. You you you, you learn to, by having something shit. You learn easier about what what it is you need in terms of the details. So I, I totally agree, man. If you just buy something basic within your budget, make mistakes, but as long as you're taking pictures and as long as you're actively trying to learn new skills, then that's the most important thing. I dread to think how long people really spend looking into the to you know what, what camera is right for them in the beginning you know it, mm-hmm. mate just shut up and buy one and yeah. and then start <laughs> like that oh i'm gonna go fishing i don't know which fishing rod to get just buy a fucking rod and go fishing mate and start figuring yeah. it out like yeah. you know what i mean yeah learn as you go yeah, absolutely man or like you know what football should i buy i want to start playing football what football should i get hey just mm-hmm. god stop yeah. that yeah right i'm gonna let her out man uh i'm right, gonna okay. be right back okay it's funny i actually just got a text from so telling me that the other cat is <laughs> stuck <laughs> <laughs> cat dramas there's always cat dramas uh at uh, jordan source mansion oh i wish it was a mansion dude it was not quite that <laughs> it's comfortable though it's ah, comfortable it's be... definitely not a mansion. Ah, it's gonna be part yeah i've seen the, I'm, I'm... the place you're staying and mr Filippo was uh 
He's got some good stuff going. No, this aye, where I'm staying now is it's not too bad. It's not too bad, man. I must, I must admit. Too bad, man. I mean, you've done all right. I've landed on my feet. Uh, yep, my Joanna, uh, my personal chef. So that's uh, good, man. That's that's I've got a good setup here as well. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. yes. What are you saying? I'm saying let's get back to photography. Back to photography. Uh, so yeah, we've covered that. I feel we just covered the generic questions for a wee bit here. So, uh, what camera, drone, and lenses yeah. do you have now? If you want to just cover that. Sure, yeah. Um, I shoot with a Canon 5D Mark IV. And as for my lenses, I have a 16-35 to 35 F4, uh, a 50mm 1.8, nifty 50, costing 50. 70 pounds, unreal. And I have a 70-200 F2.8 Mark II. And that's actually all I've got. Uh, I say all I've got, I'm, I'm really happy with that, but I know plenty of other people that have a lot more than that. Yeah. And what about the drone? Um, Which drone do you have? have the, oh, yes, yeah, sorry, Chris. Um, I have the DJI Mavic 2 Pro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have a love affair with that thing. Yes, I'm that powerful. Well, you're, uh, you're known for your drone photography probably more than, than anything else. So, uh, That's sad. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. That's just me. I'm not saying. <laughs> I just see your drone, no, your drone I, shots. I, I upload a lot of drone. I do upload a lot of drone stuff for sure. And people have said that to me in the past, actually. Um, I mean, even if I look at my recent posts, one, two, three, four, five, five of the last seven have been drone stuff. There you go. It's a fair assumption then. Yeah, I'd have to do a bigger sample than that, but <laughs> I, I do upload a lot. I do upload a lot of drone stuff, and I I really enjoy it too. I really enjoy shooting that shit. Yeah. I mean, like you know, we've been going on sunrise missions here. I know you came for one of them, but your bedtime is usually about sunrise, so you don't come too often. But um, I mean, we even went out this morning to shoot sunrise, and right. I you know, I don't even take my camera anymore. I just take my drone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it also depends on the location. Is it? Is it primarily a drone thing? Is it closed and I need to, you know, fly in to get some photos in, instead? But I, I've just been taking my drone, man. That's all I've been man. taking when I'm out in Bali. Yeah, I rarely take my camera anymore. Yeah, creating magic with a drone. I've seen you. I've seen you in action, man. It's uh, again, it just shows you you don't need every single fucking lens under the sun to create magic. You just need what works for you first and foremost. Yeah. And and in time you you come to learn what works for you and and, and you know and what's going to help you create the, the best images. Like in the beginning, I remember thinking, oh wow, this is the kit lens is all I need. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. a zoom lens would be good, but kit lens is fine. Then it reaches the point where you're like, God man, I wish it, I wish wish this was a little bit wider. I wish I could zoom in a lot further. Oh, maybe I'd like to take photos from the sky as well. God, imagine that. I can't even can't even imagine in my <laughs> head what that would look like. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it it just takes time to figure out what what you like and then if you're taking it down the social media route um what are your audience like as well yeah well at what point did you start the instagram account and at that point did you have any aspirations or inclinations to to have the success that you have today or the the size of following that you have today i mean i never would have you know if you if you told me then that this would be what's what's happening and where i'm at it would have just sounded quite ridiculous um i don't I didn't ever have the intention of being where I'm at. 
Um, but I thought at the time, you know, I, I started my Instagram account back in uni. I went outside posting photos from my camera. I still had all my university stuff on there. Um, you know, when I started to get a bit more serious, I decided to delete everything. So unfortunately, we can't review that stuff. Um, there's a lot of nuggets in there, there. Um, but yeah, man, it's, um, I, I didn't ever have the intention yet. It was more just a love for, for what I was doing that, that kept me doing it. And it, the reason I left China, it wasn't because, well, I think before I left China, actually, I was, I was getting some followers. By the time I left China, I had about 5,000 followers or something like that. Um, five to 6,000, I'm not really sure. But it was more at the time, just I really love what I'm doing. And, and that followers thing is just a, it's just a, you know, an add on. It's just a bonus that comes yeah. with it. Like, oh, I'm just in a lucky position. You know, I, I live in China. No one else is really sharing photos from China right now. And even though a lot of my photos probably weren't that great, uh, a lot of people weren't seeing it at the time. And maybe, yeah. maybe for that time, the standard of my work was considered higher than it would be if it was the same now. Yeah. yeah. So I think I started very much the right time. Um, mm -hmm. Very fortunate for that. But yeah, uh, didn't ever intend for this. It was more and more an obsession. Yeah, more an obsession, dude. I, I wanted to shoot. I wanted to shoot. I, wanted to, I love traveling. I love taking photos. I want to do those two together because uh, I've never done that before. So I want to leave China and do that full time. Yeah. I have no idea where this is going to end up. I don't know how I'm going to make any money. Um, but I'm not stupid. Oh, I'm sure I can figure it out. Yeah. Do you feel that you had a natural talent for this or is it something you've had to work twice as hard as others to achieve? I mean, partly natural maybe. I've always been fairly artistic. I used to draw a lot as a kid. I like took art, art classes in school. Like I would do after, after school art and design stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I, maybe that translates into photography. I don't know. I think my, uh, I would say, I think my like OCD kind of tendon, I don't have OCD, but I think like, you know, there's kind of tendencies I have to, to try and make sure everything's perfect. Everything's aligned, that kind of stuff. I think that translates from, yeah, definitely from when I was a kid or whatever, growing up and being in school and studying art to, to, to now. I would say that absolutely has, has come through more than anything I learned at university. Right. So you've always been but, quite but artistic was, then. Do you feel like... That was just, but that was just natural. Um, and then as for working hard, I think I've just spent a lot of time analysing other people's work, uh, trying to, you know, when I say, let's say when I first started out, it was, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a shitload of time looking at other people's work and because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of making this up as I go. So I'm going to see what they're doing. How can I kind of apply the lessons or, or the things that they've, you know, applied to their own photography into my own work. And then over time, maybe I'll kind of figure, figure out my own way. Yeah. When did you, yeah, okay. uh, I think I in the process. Yeah. That's a good insight again, man. That's good insight because again, a lot of people might think, Oh, well, I've not, I've not really got a natural talent for this. Uh, I don't know if I need to work twice as hard at this, but I think being artistic definitely has, has a big benefit because it, you have to have a, an artistic eye for things, definitely. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I, but I also spend a lot of time looking at... I, I don't know the science behind that, so, mm -hmm. yeah, can't, can't quote it. But, um, yeah, like I said, I spend a lot of time looking at other people's work. Yeah. So, it's again, it's... I always, just, it. I always just... And I'm always looking at my own work, and I still do this now. 
I'm always looking at it thinking like going back on like the past few weeks, let's say the past two or three weeks of the photographs of things that I've posted or client work that I've sent out and just looking back over it and thinking, oh, like what would I have done differently now? Like how would I change what I, what I sent to this client a year, a year ago or six months ago? Like how would that change now? Yeah. Yeah. So Why you feel your, your style's constantly progressing and constantly evolving every single day. Mm, constantly. It's probably the reason I actually, I wouldn't say I always reshare old work, but I have a habit of resharing older photos that are re-edited is because I kind of want to, it's just, a, it's kind of a challenge for me. It's like, I want to go over, you know, I don't like the way I did this in the past. I'm not upset over it. I mean, it is what it is. It, it's progression, but it's nice to kind of go back on all this stuff and think like, how would I do it differently now? Um, and then, oh, what, what, I know yeah, there's always someone like, oh, you know, I, you posted this on November 6th, 2017. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, uh, thanks for letting me know. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it feels like able to see what other people think as well. Yeah. No, cool, man. Yeah. Well, um, good little challenge, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think progression is a massive part of uh, any artistic process, including photography. And it's always nice to look back and, and see the progression, man. Whether it's six months yeah. or a week. And I think it's important to be self-critical too. I mean, don't be overly critical to the point in which you're beating yourself up because that's a waste of time. Um, and that's that's unproductive in itself. Um, but yeah, just to be aware. Don't don't ever you know not to ever think that you know it all. Yeah. Not to ever think that oh no yeah. I don't think it's ever quite, I don't think it's great to be comfortable with what you're doing. That, yeah, I don't like that yeah. at all. Because then, yeah. then you kind of stop learning at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can actually apply that to when I, when I was younger and when I played football, I got to a point where I was getting accolades and I was getting opportunities and stuff like that. And I got yeah. to a point where I, it almost became like I thought I knew it all and I thought I was better than everyone else. And that's when I stopped learning. And that's probably when things started to, to, to fall apart. So I think it's very important to always have that fire under your ass and always have that, that, that willingness to keep learning and to keep progressing no matter how good you think you may be at any one time. It's, you're never as good as what you can possibly be tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even, man, I, there are so many talented photographers out there. When I look at Instagram, I sometimes wonder how I've made it to where I'm at. You know, <laughs> there are so many people out there that are so talented and a lot of people that are, that may even be technically better than me. Technically, it's very subjective, you know, but, but um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's funny to think of it that way because I think a lot of people probably wouldn't think that I think that. Yeah, no, it's important, man. Again, it's anything that becomes across relatable or attainable, it's, it's important, man, because... Yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, just like everyone else, just like every other photographer trying to share their work and get better. It might, it might not actually be, I think, that someone's better than me. It's just, oh, they do things differently to me. Yeah. And how how can I extract some of the things that they do? And um, Let's just try this on my work. Maybe it'll improve mine. Maybe I'll really like the direction that mm -hmm. that takes me. Maybe I won't. It doesn't matter either way. Um, yeah, it's just important to keep trying different things, you know? Yeah, man. Totally agree. Now, when did you get your first um, opportunity to work with a brand or service and how did that make you feel at the time? Do you remember? Oh, my gosh. Um, made me feel pretty good because I was broke. So <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the first, maybe the first branded work I did was maybe a watch company. It's hard to remember. 
Um, I'm pretty sure it was a watch company. I was doing a lot of product stuff in the beginning. So I was taking photos of T-shirts, blankets, watches, socks, uh, stuff like that. Exciting. Exciting. Yeah, I've got a pair of socks upstairs, actually. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Every time I look at them, I'm like, that's where it began. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's where it started, mate. You know, I, I was probably getting paid anywhere between 30 and $85 a photo for that stuff. Right. Was it at that moment where you thought you could turn your passion into a profession or did that come later? Well, yeah, I think when I first started making money with it, it's then that I realized that, oh, you can to make money doing this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, it felt weird at the time, even though I was probably getting paid jack shit, it just felt weird to even be getting paid. It just felt like, how am I, how am I kind of getting paid? I can't believe this is happening. Like I always, I knew that other people got paid for that work, but oh, this is happening to me. So I must be on the, I must be on the right path. If yeah. someone's willing to invest in me, it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be for a joke, would it? Like, what's the point? So, yeah. so there's obviously something there. I just need to dig deeper and, and kind of figure it out. But that's the first kind of stuff I remember, man. It was either watches or t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Would have been the first place I started. And, and I think product photography is a great place for people to start. Yeah, it's a good entry really point. Think. Absolutely, I I totally agree, man. It, it's amazing, isn't it? And I think um, sometimes people they might see the whole Instagram things. Oh, I I don't have I don't have these followers. I only have five hundred followers. Like, how am I supposed to get a job? Whereas because you're thinking about it in the totally wrong way. Um, what do you think you're going to get? A social media focused tourism board campaign? No chance in hell you're going to get that. Um, so many followers, but. But if you approach it in a different way, as in, you know, I can create content for you. It's got nothing to do with social media, but I can create content for your marketing campaigns, your website, fucking leaflets, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Then, yeah, if you have the right work, then why wouldn't they be interested in working with you? It's just I think people approach it in the the kind of wrong way. And you don't have to use social media at all. You just need to contact a a product company, like a watch company, top company, I don't care what it is, with uh, examples of kind of relevant work. Uh, is the best way to do it. Let's say you want to contact a watch company. Take photos of your own watch. Take photos of your dad's watch. Take photos of your fucking nan's watch. I don't care. Just take some cool photos of a watch, a few different watches, and send that off as a media kit and be like, hey, I'd love to create some stuff like this. Or don't even use your photos. Create a mood board of photos that you really like online. I mean, it's way better if you have examples of your own. Way more respectable. Um, but, yeah, and just send that out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this? Uh, I'd like to take some photos for free. I'll take. I'll send you five to ten photos of these watches of your watches for free. Uh, you- no cost to you at all. If they really like the photos, chances are they're probably going to work. Want to work with you more. If they don't, move on to the next. You think there's too much reliance? Do you think there's too much reliance on having a social media following? And you think there's like a correlation between your social media following and your talents as a photographer? too much no I, 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 oh I'm sorry so do I think there's a strong correlation between followers and talent that people think that that people so if I if I'm a photographer and I've got 500 followers I think well I'm not that good because I've only got 500 followers whereas I could have better work than someone who's got 50,000 followers but because I've only got 500 I, I feel inferior to them when that's completely not true at all yeah I mean that's just the whole game of comparison isn't it yeah which is, which is very dangerous, you know, if you're starting out and you don't want to be comparing yourself with people that have hundreds of thousands of followers. What's the point? It's like apples to oranges. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, you, oh, you've been doing this for two weeks. This guy's been doing it for five years. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, like what what the hell do you expect um that's the comparison thing you just want to be inspired by these people that are, that are doing good things not kind of see yourself in competition with them yeah totally agree i mean Maybe. yeah what what just what does how is how is that going to serve you going forward i understand that the realm of competitiveness though but yeah i just think how, how's that actually going to help you at all comparing yourself to other people like that mm-hmm. it's totally subjective this whole art is subjective man. there's no there really isn't like maybe that you could say technically this photo is more appealing than the other but it's not necessarily like his work is better than mine your work's better than hers her work's better than his it doesn't really work like that depends on depends on the opinion man. you know i used to have really colorful photos um ridiculously colorful photos that a lot of people really liked and they don't i'm sure a lot of them don't like my new style but no whatever <laughs> good insight man good insight well between then obviously between the the first brand or service job and now what has been the biggest photography job that you've had in terms of financial can you remember um yeah it's probably um probably a tourism board job um you mean specifically yeah just just one job where you thought wow that's that's a hefty check that will that'll be a few bin tangs when i get back to bali (laughs) i'm trying to imagine like at you know at the time where i thought where i was like whoa yeah that's insane um I don't even know if I can really talk about like which company it was because of sign of contracts or some shit like that. Um, okay. But it, I'll, I'll talk about it. I can talk about it like, you know, as if we don't know who the company are. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know, like some jobs would have made like 14 grand in like four days. Right. And uh, they pay for everything. You, you stay in nice hotels. You don't really do a lot of work. I mean, you're in and out. The time you get home, you're like, well, what just happened? <laughs> uh, I was just on a trip with all my mates and now I'm home and there's a load of money in my bank like, that's really strange that's a really strange feeling yeah um, it's very surreal I don't tend to think about the money too much and I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it I mean it helps you do good stuff and it helps you, it helps you to grow my business and the more the merrier but yeah it, it, at first it can be very surreal yeah I remember being offered being offered a tourism board job years ago, years ago, and I think I got offered it's like I don't know two and a half thousand pounds to go and do this job. I mean, the deliverables were pretty ridiculous given what I was getting paid, but I remember thinking like, what? Like I can you know I can fly to this country and literally take photos for two and a half thousand pounds over like four days? Are you kidding me? Like, that's ridiculous. Well, you're doing what I love and, and you're getting paid that much money. I, I can't believe it. I was like, I'll, I'll do anything you want for that money. <laughs> <laughs> I will leave it at that just yeah. in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Um, but yeah, I probably won't just name companies just because. Of course. No, you don't need to name companies, man. It's just yeah, obviously just getting a bit, bit of an insight to yeah. the financial returns and stuff. I was actually going to ask you next, what about in terms of prestige? Um was there a job that gave you the biggest personal satisfaction where you felt that you had really made it? Was there a, again, you don't need to name companies, but was there a point where you thought, well, I, yeah, I can't like, I can do it like that for yeah. sure. Um, I mean, 
it was a really nice feeling to work with Adobe. Okay. I'm working on a project with them right now. I worked on a project with them in December as well. Um, I've just been approached, and, you, and we may have spoken about this in person, but I've just been approached by a camera brand to work with them. Mm-hmm. Won't name names, but felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Felt really good. I mean, it felt like something I'd, that's maybe more like something I felt like I'd been working towards for a long time subconsciously. Like when it came around, I was like, I was kind of in this kind of in T minds. I was like, I've wanted this for so long on one hand. And then on the other hand, I was like, fuck yeah. Like I wear my ass off. Let's do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go. So that came around probably Adobe was a really cool feeling. Um, Cause I use that shit every day. And then yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of different ones that come up, man. But like the tourism board ones are always nice when yeah. they when they do come up, because you because you think in a way like you're you've been selected to kind of represent that country, country in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that bottom line. That's deal. pretty much what it is. Yeah, no joke. I mean, like your the aim of your work is to attract potentially tens. I mean, yeah, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people to their country a year. Which for some countries is a huge deal because it's, you know, like it's, it's a massive deal. Tourism is a massive deal for some of these countries. So that's a really cool feeling. And it doesn't, I don't know, I don't ever feel too worried about doing jobs like that. I guess because I'm, maybe, am I comfortable doing photography? Is that why? I shouldn't yeah. feel that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say those are the few that kind of stick out, you know. Yeah. And there are some that up here and there where you think what the sick yeah i'd love to do this that's cool um there's also a lot of junk that comes through too that's not yeah i can imagine yeah i can imagine you've got to filter through the junk to get the the nuggets the golden nuggets i can imagine yeah i mean if someone emails me and doesn't use my name it's not like i have a complex about people using my name yeah but if they're like hi i i just delete those emails yeah, it's just generic. I don't read them. I don't read them. Man. Yeah, just yeah. hi, delete. Or if it's hi at George Hammond, you know, yeah. know they're just scraping names of Instagram. I'm like, okay, you, yeah. you're going to be deleted too. And then there's also there's other people that email you, and and you just think, why the fuck are you emailing me? Like we <laughs> aren't aligned at all in anything we do. And they're yeah. like, oh yeah, we think you really suit to our brand. Um, yeah, we you know uh, we just launched a new um teeth one in product and we think you're a really great fit for our brand um, well send them my way send them my way the teeth went and stuff i like that but i just thought why would i reply to that like you, yeah. you you obviously don't you haven't done your research or you're choosing a bot program and then what four days later they reach out again hey jordan um just want to make sure you got our message and then i just don't know if it's a bot or if it's actually a human who's actually thinking that we may be aligned so I just continue to ignore him. When he gets to like the fifth email, I'm like, hey, um, yeah, thanks, but I'm really not interested in this. So I, I actually say, like, I don't think there's any fit at all. Yeah. I, I can't, I, you know, with respect, I can't, see the, I can't see the fit between our brands whatsoever. Um, so, I'm, you know, I wouldn't like to pursue this any further than that. They usually don't reply. So they kind of <laughs> get the one up at the very end, which is kind of annoying. The bot, the bot gets the... Uh gets the message yeah. in the end to the bot. No, that's good to know, man. Good it to does, know. man. It totally mugs you off. 
<laughs> now, what point did your Instagram blow up in terms of followers? Was it a slow and steady growth, or was it is there one particular moment or image where it just went crazy? Uh, there are a few moments. Um, the, I mean, the first initial, I started with about 550 followers, 500 to 550 followers when I, this is just when I started taking photographs on my camera, right? Um, and posting them to Instagram. But then it kind of reached a point where I, I went to this pretty cool place in Chongqing, China. And I, I it's, this is kind of annoying. I, I shot this place and what I was doing basically was just going and finding feature pages on Instagram. So hub pages, you know, they're going to reach out people's work and I'd find hundreds of them. I'd gather their emails and I'd send them emails with my photos with like uh, number one, uh, Wulong, Wulong County, Chongqing, China, insert image, two, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, I did that pretty much every time I, I went for a trip, but I sent, anyway, I sent this photo from Chongqing, China that I'd never seen before to all these pages and uh, yeah, 550 followers and then this account that had 1.3 million followers posted and this was, I'm trying to think of this was, I think this might have been November when I was going to that, yeah, kind of all aligned with it. It was like when I went to that place with the fishermen and the birds, it was when I was at the airport waiting to fly there. And yeah, someone like reset my picture and it, uh, it took me from like 550 to 900 followers or something. Um, like really quickly though. I mean, like I was checking my phone, like what the hell is going on? All these people coming through and following me. It was a good feeling, dude. And and I was kind of hooked after that. And it wasn't just the follower thing. It was just like, hey shit, like these people will actually share my work. Like, and I'm only just getting started. So let's, let's, let's see where this goes. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, so that was one that was the initial one then uh when i i mean some of my china photos were getting shared about i'm sure it's hard to remember exactly which ones but it was going kind of well i think by the time i left china i had maybe five thousand six thousand five and a half thousand followers or something and then when i came to indonesia actually when i came to bali for the first time a lot of my work was getting shared from bali it wasn't really like one in particular but i i actually reached out to this Instagram page called Canon Photos. Um, and I'm now really good friends, you know, with the, the two guys that run it. And I've done, gone on like multiple jobs with them since like first talking. The, you know, we last went on a job in December. Um, yeah, last time I was home is, is the reason I went back is really it was to do a job with them, um, which is cool. But they were sharing my photos and they had about 1.8 million followers at the time. So, you know, while when I started traveling, instead of growing maybe 500 a month, I'm growing two and a half to 3,000 a month instead. Um, you know, just networking like mad. And then there was a photo I took in Myanmar in November 2016, uh, months with the light rays coming from behind him. And I mean, now I know that that's organized by a photography tour. I didn't know that at the time. I just saw these pictures online and I was like, God damn, I want that shot. Like, that just looks insane. And uh, I woke up five days in a row to get sunrise in, in Bagan in old Bagan. Uh, it was cloudy every single morning. Um, and that's all the time I had the, you know, I wanted the hot air balloon shots with pagodas and all that crazy stuff. Didn't get any of that. No, didn't get any of it. And I remember just driving around on the second to last day. I was just driving around the old plains of Bagan. There's like 2,000 temples. It's a fucking ginormous place. And I'm like, I'm just going to look for these small square inlets in the wall. I don't know where the hell 
they are. They're probably on every single pagoda. And I was just driving past one, saw some square windows. I was like, I'm just going to go and have a look. I walked in. There was a monk slash model, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, just sat in these light rates with this dude taking photos. And I was just like, tripping out. Mate. I was like, Are you kidding me? Don't, of all the thousands of temples I could have walked into in this, I was like, How is this happening? Right? I, I don't know. I started freaking out. I got my camera out. I totally disregard for that guy's photo shoot. I think he paid probably decent money for. I was just going crazy. Crazy taking photos, mate. And as soon as I got home, edited it, popped it up. And I think about, I don't know, I made about, about 12,000 followers at that point. But that photo got, that photo basically was when the Beautiful Destinations World's Coolest Job campaign was launched. And the idea that it was you would post a, post a photo, tag Beautiful Destinations, and you talk about why, I think, why you'd want to work with them. Or, or you tell her something about a cool travel story. I can't remember what it was. But that was my photo. And that I shared for it. I was like, wow, this is perfect. I'm going to post that. And yeah, I had about 12,000 followers and I think that photo got about 11,000 likes, which at the time was fucking ridiculous. Uh, and even now, if that happened, would be like, whoa, what? Like, that's just crazy. And yeah, so that photo blew up, well, blew up for me at the time and, and I managed to get, uh, I don't know if that's how they saw me, but they noticed my work through that and they offered me to come out i got on a phone call with someone from their team uh in like january so a few months later and then yeah i um i ended up going on a, a couple of trips with them that were unpaid and ended up getting paid on a few others and you know we stayed in touch since then and yeah it's been multiple photos since then man like i don't know if you can kind of pop these up on the screen or some shit when you do the video but it's like there was one of a some of the spring to mind would be a lot of my china stuff so kind of Farmer Buffalo, like crossing the bridge, that stuff's always done really well. Um, Price, there was one I did of a desert oasis in Peru. Uh, did the Dubai roads with the sand going over them. I, I definitely wasn't the first to do that, but I, I may have been the second person or the third person to do that. But that was that was crazy. I, I had about one hundred fifty thousand followers and got like sixty thousand likes. Jesus, That's I mean, crazy engagement. I, I, I know it sounds cool. Is it's important to not get you know like to let those kind of numbers shroud you, but at the time I was just like, What is happening right yeah. now? I posted that for a job. We visited Dubai, so I was buzzing that it was, yeah, that, it was, that like, was it's a great reflection on you, dude. It was nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there have been a few shots since then that have done really well, but every now and then something goes a bit crazy. It's, yeah, it's sometimes so it's, hard to tell. Sometimes I have to tell when, you know, what it's going to be. Or what shot is it going to be? Because there are some shots I post where I think, man, I love this shot. This is going to be so sick. And I post it and it totally falls. And then other times where I'm like, nah, I'm not sure on this, but you know, whatever. I'll just share it because I've got other stuff to do. And that does really well. Yeah, so, so there's, no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no logic to it. No, I mean, unless I just repost an old photo that I know is going to do quite well, then... Yeah. There's kind of lo <laughs> kind of logic to that, but it almost seems illogical because people have seen it before. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It's a it's 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 a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. But yeah, my, my, most most of the photos that have really blown up have been actually been my first from China. Right. Hence your love for China. That's why I stay in Asia, man? Yeah. <laughs> so much stuff to discover, you know. Like, yeah. I've been shooting here for like four or five years now, and I feel like I barely scratched the surface at all. 
That concludes the end of part one. If you're still with us and want to find out more, then join us in part two for a further insight into the mind of the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jordan Hammond. Thank you.